0: Good morning glory city how are you doing hope you guys are doing well Um, yeah maybe some of you are watching this right now on zoom maybe some of you are watching it back Um, I believe this morning we're gonna get right into it I believe that this morning's message is uh, one of uh, the most significant um, Things of understanding the scriptures. Uh, I spoke last week a, a little bit about a history of the Bible, how we got the Bible, some lenses, which we can read through um, the scriptures and get understanding uh, on them. And, uh, you know, this book has is, is been described as God's covenant journey uh, with mankind. And there are actually five covenants and we're going to unpack them. Uh, I'm going to really kind of um, go through some of them quickly. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, on the mosaic, touch on the Abrahamic quite a bit as well, and then delve into the new covenant, uh, which is the one that you and I are in. And, uh, And so this book is a covenantal journey that God has with mankind. And one of the questions that I hope uh, this starts to uh, answer is when Jesus came, it says that he was the exact imprint of God's nature. He was the visible image of the invisible God. Uh, You know, it says in the last days you've heard God speak through, you know, the prophets. In these days you've heard him through the Son, Jesus, who is the exact representation of God. And so we have this, uh, this example that Jesus has now given us as the perfect representation of God. Yet when I read some of the stories in the Old Testament and in the different times, it, it seems like God is very different. And why is that? Why is he different? When the Bible is very clear that he's the same yesterday, today and forever and he never changes. And so, uh, how I like to put it is that he, because he doesn't change. That's very true. His uh, who he is does not, hasn't shifted. But the perfect representation of his nature is God, is Jesus. And uh, and so, um, the way I like to put it is, I'm the same person, but the the way that I respond to my wife is different than maybe the way I would respond to a friend. Why? Because I have a covenantal relationship with Shen that um, the way I respond to her is in a different manner. I'm not a different person to my friend. I'm not, my nature's not different, my personality's not different, but the way I react and respond and behave is why because of covenant and so God doesn't change his nature doesn't change but covenants do right and so we're going to unpack that we're going to look at it in scripture very clearly uh, and so there are five there and if you want to name them you can name them uh, but there is we're going to go in order and and I'm just going to give you a verse uh, for each one of these and we're going to unpack a, a little bit more as well and so uh, the first one that we have is the noahic covenant or noah and um if you go to genesis uh 9 now most of us should know what the sign of the noahic covenant is uh we should know that yep it's the rainbow his bow in the sky it's the rainbow and um and here this uh, and this this is uh, the, the word I'm going to use now is was very common for um, ancient Eastern uh, religions or um, uh, cultures to use this word. And it was called a grant covenant. Uh, it's the best one. It's the one you want. It's the one we're in. We're in a grant covenant. Uh, but it's where a higher power, say God would make a decree or a covenant uh, of promise with, um, the condition purely on his end. And what, what, you're gonna see what I mean in a second. And so here, the, the key verse for us is found in Genesis 9, uh, verse 8. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and the beasts of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. Now that's profound because God basically saying, "I'm never going to flood the earth again." He didn't say, "I'm never going to flood the earth again," unless here's my con- my con- uh, contingent- contingents that I have, you know, conditions that I have for you. He didn't say that. He said, I will never flood the earth again. And he put the rainbow in the sky, I think, out of just, for Noah's clear sanity, after not seeing rain for many, many years, and then all of a sudden, the only time rain comes, your entire race is wiped out. And now every time rains comes, he can be reassured of oh, a rainbow in the sky. God's never going to flood the earth again. And that was for all generations. Right, so that's the Noahic covenant, and that is a grant grant. Covenant. It is not based on um, well. If you don't do these things, then there'll be. The, I will flood the earth again. He, he never said that, right? So <clears throat> the next one that we have is the Abrahamic covenant, um, and so this one is. I think some of us might know this a bit more clearer, uh, but the uh, scripture that we have is in Genesis seventeen. Uh, verse 9 so you've got your Bibles go to Genesis 17 verse 9 and it says and God said to Abraham as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your offspring after you throughout the generations this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offsprings after you every male among you shall be circumcised you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a sign of of the covenant between me and you. And he, he goes on and he says. Um, so shall my covenant be in your flesh. An everlasting covenant. And he says I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He didn't say I'm going to make you a father of Israel. He said I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Right. As many as the sand and the seashores. You know many as the stars in the sky. Alright. It's really important that we understand firstly that the sign of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision and that God said, I will make you a father of many nations. Abraham did some silly stuff. He lied, he did a bunch of stuff that wasn't great. Um, Yet God still fulfilled the promise through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob. And the, the, the shadow all of these are a shadow of the one to come, right, which is Jesus. So that as well is a grand covenant. That is a, hey, by faith you believe this and it was a credit to Abraham has righteousness. That's why we're called children of Abraham. We're called sons and daughters of Abraham. He's the father of faith. Because by faith he believed God and it was accredited to him as righteous. So this also was a grand covenant. <clears throat> and then the next covenant that we have is the Mosaic Covenant. And now when um when uh, this when the Bible refers to the old covenant, it is always referring to the Mosaic Covenant. You're gonna see that, but uh, whenever there's a, a reference in the New Testament or the New Covenant about the Old Covenant, the old has passed away, the new has come. That's talking about the old, uh, the Mosaic Covenant. It's it's not talking about the Abrahamic. It's not talking about the Noahic. and and then there's the fo- uh, the final covenant in the Old Testament is the Davidical Covenant or the day uh, covenant of David, and so we'll we'll just do the da- we'll do uh, We'll do Moses, sorry, right now. So Exodus 19. <clears throat> this is this is awesome. This is really cool. So Exodus 19, and uh, we're going to go down to verse 5. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Wow. So here, God offers, they come, you got to picture this with me. God, uh, Israel, been captive for 400 years. Moses leads them out of, out of uh, Egypt, out of slavery and he leads them into the wilderness and they're at, they're at mount Sinai right and uh and now the law isn't isn't in play there's been about 2800 years uh and and the law has not been mentioned and now god is offering them something that they've never offered before a nation of priests a nation of priests, a holy nation, right? And we've seen that word before in Peter. It says, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a generation never before seen. Right? There's a correlation there that's, that's happened. But here God offers them that. Now in, in fairness to Israel, all they've known for 400 years is, uh, God, the gods are like Pharaoh, right? That's all they've known. And they've just seen like, some horrific stuff happen, uh, to get them out of slavery. And so their understanding of God is a little bit off. It's a little bit, uh, they don't know. They're scared. There's fear. There's different things going on. And they say in Deuteronomy, they said, uh, send, we, we don't want to go up. We don't want that. We're a little bit scared of the lightning, a little bit scared of the thunder. Some translations even say, or some theologians even say that uh, they described it as tongues of thunder, or, sorry, tongues of lightning. Now, where do we, we see the similarity on the day of Pentecost? The tongues of fire, right? That fell. And so here, they, the Israel, we don't want, we want a mediator between God and us, right? This is Israel's worst day. This is their worst moment. And so here they send Moses up the mountain, and he comes back with tablets, two tablets, right? And, uh, and what happened here is God offered them a grant covenant. But what took place is they lessened the covenant to what's known as a kinship covenant, which is basically where two equal parties, it's like a husband and a wife, And they're two equal parties that have to keep their end of the bargain or their end of the covenant to make this covenant work. Right? It's, it's conditional. There's conditions that are in play now that to make this covenant work. They were like, hey, we, we don't want that. We want a mediator between God and between man and between, and the people. Right? And so here Moses comes down and the Bible actually describes that the tablets were written on both sides. You can read it, I think it's in Exodus 32. That's significant. Why is that significant? It's significant because he wrote um, when when a contract was made, uh even in not in Jewish days, what they would do is they would write it on stone. And they would write they would use both sides of the stone if they needed to because they didn't want to waste um material. And so here, the law is written um, uh, uh, 1 to 5 on one side, 6 to 10 on the other, 10 commandments. And then on the other stone was 1 to 5 and 6 to 10. Now, why is that important? Because what would happen in a kinship covenant is uh, two parties would come together and and they would they would say, hey, this is my covenant with you. I give it to you. And they'd say, yes, I take that covenant. And this is my covenant. And you would take one contract. And I would take another contract. And then we would take it and put it in an ark. And then we would put it in our temple, right? And then I'm held accountable by my God or my king uh, for that contract with the other party. So if I mess up on that contract that king or judge or ruler has the right and authority to come down and correct and punish or do whatever is needed um, because of the righteous act of that covenant. The only problem here is one half of the covenant is God. He can't be held accountable to anyone. He's God. So that's why God says, my word is above my name. God makes this statement. He says, I put my word above my name. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to keep my end of the deal regardless of what my actual nature is, right? So here, Moses comes down with the two tablets. He's not been gone more than 40 days, right? And they're making a golden calf And, uh, in, I think it's in the Young's Literal Translation, it says that they're performing sexual acts in front of this calf. And so here, Moses comes down and he finds his people, they're like, hey, we're gonna, you know, Aaron's like, I'm gonna give me what you've got and we'll make this calf. They worship the calf. This is the God that got you out of, you know, out of, uh, slavery. They're just, they've just lost their minds. They're, they're just, they're just being possessed. And they're just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Moses is broken. He breaks the he drops the tablets. The tablets break. Right? And God's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm gonna wipe He's like, no way, this is happening again. Right? And he's like, I'm gonna wipe them out. Right? Because he was justified to do that. Right? He is God. He was justified. His holy, uh, his holy nature uh requires judgment. Right? So here, he's like, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses calls on me. I think it's in Exodus 32. Exodus 32. And he says, hey, God, remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's, What's Moses doing? He's calling on a previous covenant. He's pulling on a previous covenant. And he's saying, hey, remember you said, You'll make him a father of many nations. right? He didn't say that to Moses. He said it to Abraham. So Moses pulls on that. He says, hey, God, remember they're your people who you brought out of Egypt. God's like, all right, fair enough. You got me there. And he says, "Um, will you go on ahead? Moses like, no, no, no. Listen, if you're not coming with us, I'm not going. And what happened when the law was given? 3,000 were killed. Right? The Levites went and they killed the 3,000 that were probably performing these sexual acts in front of this, this golden calf. When the law was given, 3,000 were killed. When the spirit was given, 3,000 were added. It's a correlation, right? Because right? the law is death. Why was the law given? The law was given because it, it makes us aware of the need for a savior. Paul talks about this. He says that when the law came in, sin increased. But where where sin increased, grace abound. That's in Romans 5. And so here, they've now entered a a covenant where, for the first time in history, and I'm going to show you uh, really quickly just four examples uh, prior to the law being given. uh, So the law existed for about 1,400 years but there was 2,800 years before that where the law didn't exist in that sense. Now the law is, is, is good. The law is holy. The law is righteous in and of itself. Right? But it was never God's intention that you and I enter relationship with Him through keeping rules and stipulations. It was that we enter in by faith. Right? That's why faith, it is impossible to please God without faith. And so here I'm going to show you four examples um, prior to the law and, and listen to God's response. And then listen to God's response of those four same examples. After the law was given, and you'll start to get an idea, and I'll explain it, as to why now in this covenant, uh, God seems to be responding differently. Even though he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So here, um, let me just grab my computer. So here, Exodus 15, 22, right? This is prior to the law. Exodus 15, 22, 26 says the Israelites... um, grumbling at the start of their journey led to no punishment. Fascinating. Exodus 16:1-15, the Israelites grumbling about the manna and quail and it led to no punishment. Exodus 16:27 to 30, a Sabbath violation resulted in a reprimand. Exodus, excuse me, Exodus 17:1 to 17, the Israelites grumbling over the water led to no no punishment. After the law was given, right? This is now after the law was given. Uh, numbers eleven one to three it says the Israelites grumbling led to destroying fire. Uh, numbers eleven thirty three the Israelites grumbling about the manna and the quail led to killing a killing plague. Numbers fifteen thirty two thirty six a Sabbath violation resulted in a death by stoning. And Numbers twenty-one four to six, the Israelites' grumbling over food and water led to the Lord sending deadly serpents among the people. In other words, something radically changed at Mount Sinai with the giving of the law. Hmm. So something changed at Mount Sinai with the with the giving of the law, right? Um. If I was in a covenant with, let's say John, let's just say John, I'm in a covenant with John, me and John are in a kinship covenant, and he takes his tablet back to his king, and I take my tablet back to my king, and by law, we're in a covenant. Now, John decides he's going to leave the country for a couple of weeks, and I find out that the Canaanites have come in and started pillaging and uh, bringing in foreign gods and doing all kinds of evil stuff to his children and his wives and whatever and uh, his families Uh by law, by covenant I have to do everything in my power to back John up now I'm God so I can just come in and just wipe out the Canaanites right? now in the opposite uh, end of that Um, If John does something wrong, I am also judge in God's sense. I'm also the equal, co-equal partner with him. But in this case, I'm also the judge. And so we see the blessings and we see the cursing of where this starts to come in. You do the right thing, you'll be blessed. This is what you wanted. This is what the Israelites wanted. Right? Right? And so here now there's, if you do the wrong thing, you'll be cursed. You do the right thing, you'll be blessed. Right? So here are the right things that you should do. Do all of those right things. Right? So I'm now playing a co-worker with these kinship. I'm on an equal party, but I'm also the judge and the mediator of what's right and wrong. So here we start to get a picture now of why God, all of a sudden, He seems different for thirteen hundred years, and in the middle of that, we have the Davidical covenant that takes place. And uh, if we go to, uh, if we go to one, uh, where is it? Two Samuel seven. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you to rule over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This is the covenant God made with David. Hmm. David set before the Lord in verse 19 and it says, As if this verse were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant and this decree. Sovereign Lord is for a mere human. Right? Uh, it's, it's some translations says the human race. It says, Sovereign Lord, verse 28, 29, You are God. Your covenant is trustworthy. And you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased. To bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, sovereign Lord, have spoken with a blessing. The house of your servant will be blessed. Say, God's saying to David, I'm going to make your house. I'm going to establish your house forever. And we know that it says, you know, that the throne of David, that Jesus sits on the throne of David, the mercy seat, the throne of David. And uh, and it's just incredible that God, through the lineage of David, established His King. His His son came through the lineage of David, and He came through the lineage of Abraham. And we're going to see that. So, if you go to Matthew uh, one, Matthew one, hmm, says this: the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. This is is profound. This is awesome, right? Hmm. Here is the beginning that Matthew wrote to the Jews. And he's saying, listen, the son of Abraham, the son of David. He doesn't say the Son of Moses. What is the sign of the new covenant? It is the sign of the circumcision of the heart, it's the cutting away of the flesh. By faith, we receive the, the grant covenant that God has established with His Son, Jesus. And you and I get. We get cut off, our sinful nature, our sinful flesh gets cut off, right? And then we enter into, by faith, we become a royal priesthood, a holy nation, because that's what he wanted from the beginning. And he said to Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations. And Jesus said in Matthew 28, one of the last things he said, he says, go and make disciples of all Nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I taught you. Oh, that's, this is awesome, right? Because what does this do? Jesus came finally to settle the score of what the Father is truly like. He came to settle the score of this is what God is like. Let me show you when when um. When a king would come into town, a king would bring his best, you know, his best women, his best spices, his best, you know, musicians, his best culture around him. Because what this is, this is a covenant. This is covenantal journey of of God's people and God relating to His people in His covenantal ways, and then the surrounding literature, the surrounding poetry, the surrounding story around these covenants. So Jesus now enters into town like I, I picture like you know like Aladdin the story of Aladdin where Prince Ali da, 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 and he's coming into town, right? So Jesus and he's got all the elephants and the giraffes and he's got all these things. But Jesus is coming into town and he's showing the world what his kingdom is like. He's showing them, hey, in my kingdom there's no sickness. In my kingdom, there's perfect peace. In my kingdom, the, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In my kingdom, the greatest of all is the one that washes your feet. In my kingdom, it's not about the outside appearance. It's about the heart matter. I was talking about this with someone. and This, this whole journey of covenants shows to me how much God is interested in relationship with people how much he's interested in uh, this heart-to-heart connection. I mean, David was a murderer and an adulterer, and he said, I'll make you, you're a man after my own heart, I'm gonna put, your throne will forever be known as the throne of David, and my son, the king of the world, is gonna sit on that throne forever. That's, that's awesome. So here Jesus comes into town, a son of Abraham, a son of David. When Jesus was born, he was, he was fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant. <laughs> when Jesus died, he established the new. He made the old covenant obsolete. We're going to see that in a second. And he established the throne of David. Go to Hebrews 8. (laughs) Hebrews 8 says this. Actually, let's, let's start from verse 4. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They were a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See, that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, uh, is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no uh, occasion to look for a second. See, he's talking about the old covenant as the first covenant. With talking about Moses. Now he's saying there needs to be a second covenant uh, enacted, right? For he, if he finds fault, then whom he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel. There. This is quoting Jeremiah. And with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on that day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Egypt, For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all... Know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Oh, in speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one. What's that? The Mosaic covenant. He makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Right, And if you go to uh, Romans 10, just really quick, I want to read two more portions of Scripture. Romans 10. Uh, verse 4, it says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of that way of doing covenant. And now we become righteous by faith and we get the circumcision of the heart, right? That takes place where the sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. He remembers our iniquities no more. Why? Because the judgment and the weight of sin was taken upon Jesus Right, no longer are the law requirements needed to live on that standard. That's why he says, you've heard it say, but I say. You've heard it say, but I say. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, You've heard the standard that was here, but that's not the entire standard that I I wanted. That was a lesser standard. The standard actually is here, and everyone's like, "Well, who the heck can be saved?" And he says, "Well, with God, with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible to those who believe." Right, and, and that's why Paul, over and over again, is like. Uh, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me, I was circumcised, I'm no longer a, a slave to sin, I'm a slave to God, he's He's making the comparison to the Abrahamic covenant of the circumcision of the heart, and the circumcision of, of the flesh, right, he's making the comparison, he's saying that I'm, we, that's now, uh, that was Abraham, but we've now been circumcised and in our heart. And we now are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a generation never before seen. And by faith, we enter in to the better promises that God has for us. Ah, oh, man, it's awesome. It's so, so, so good. And then uh, the last Uh, verse that I want to see. I think I've got it written down here. Uh, It's it's 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 and it says this, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. He's made you competent. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. He's talking about the old. For the letter kills. Right, when the letter came in, the law, 3,000 died. But the spirit gives life. In other words, when the letter of the law was given, the letter brought death, right? So the letter the letter brought death. Well, that's a good catch there. We'll keep it rolling. <laughs> the, letter brought, the letter brought death. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Right, and now we are in we are in the new covenant which is a grant covenant which is freely given to us if we receive its everything all the promises we receive by faith we receive we believe the more we believe the more we receive right the, the bible said paul writes about that there's a veil right over the eyes even today uh, when Moses is read, it's like there's a veil that is there, and it says when we turn our affection, the veil is removed. Right? It's, it's, that's the word apocalypse. It's, it's revealed. God has been revealed through the lens and the nature of Jesus. Thoughts. Awesome. So when Jesus died, the old passed away. When he resurrected, he took up residency on the throne of David, the mercy seat of David. That's why you and I, were in the age of mercy. We're in the new covenant uh, age of mercy right now. Because our sins and the sins of humanity have been taken upon Jesus and he remembers our iniquity no more. I hope that helps paint a picture for you of the covenantal journey that God has been on with humankind from the beginning. And how, why is this so important? It's so important because Jesus Christ is the truth about God. You know, people often, um, you know, they'll take earthquakes or, or famines or things that are happening um, around them and they'll say, oh, this is the wrath and the judgment of God upon humanity. Uh, for whatever you fill in the blank for whatever thing, the bushfires or the it it's it's the, they just say something uh, silly around well the bushfires is God's judgment uh, over Victoria for for uh, for the way they're, the 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 debauchery that they're living in or or whatever it is that that they throw onto and they say oh well, that's the judgment of God. Um, yeah, God had to judge in the Old Testament, in in the Old Covenant, in ways because He's righteous, because He's holy, and because He, because of the kinship covenant, He had to do that. But Jesus Christ is the perfect imprint and the perfect representation of God. His nature now has been revealed. You know, it, it it's His standard has been. Revealed. His character has been revealed. How many storms did Jesus bless? None. He rebuked the sons of thunder for trying to call down fire on a city. Well, where did they get that from? They got that from, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. They got that from Lot. They got that from the days in Elijah. They got that from their Bible. Right? And he's saying, ah, you do not know what spirit you are of. Right. He brought his, he brought his entourage with him and he says, let me, hey, guys, guys, let me show you once and for all. Let's settle this. What my kingdom is like. This is what my kingdom's like. Be healed. Multiplication of food. There is no lack. Perfect peace. And that's why he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's the prayer that he taught us to pray but if we have a view a skewed view of God because we're like well I think God's just a bit you know he's a little bit judge judge here and he's a little bit gracious here and we don't know where to put him and we try and fit him into something rather than just actually accepting it and going yep God was like that yes he did wipe out people did he want to no why? He was in a covenantal agreement with Israel. Israel did the wrong thing. They needed to, they, in that covenant, he had to act holy and righteous. But now, that's obsolete. And we are in a new covenant. And it's the covenant of grace. It's the covenant of mercy. It's the covenant of we receive the new creation by confessing and believing. Father, let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that every single day we would grow deeper in our revelation of who you are. I thank you that you desired not to dwell in a tent made of human hands, but you desired to dwell in this temple. Whoa, thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you desired to know us all intimately. That from the least to the greatest, as it says in Hebrews there, that we can all know you. No one will teach each other because all will know you. We pray that would increase more and more on the earth. We pray that people more and more would come in droves, in thousands, in hundreds, in our region. I pray for Lilydale right now, for Mount Evelyn, for Montrose, for our surrounding suburbs, God. That our city would come to know you, the God who loves the God who doesn't count people's sins against them. Yes, you have a standard that yes, you want us to live in holiness and righteousness, but that only comes through a transformed heart and that can only come through your grace and your mercy. So Father, we humble ourselves before your throne, the throne of David. We thank you that it's your desire to make Abraham a father of many nations that we've been grafted into the great promises that you have given these these Hebrew people and you've grafted us in to go and make disciples of all nations. And I just thank you that you're never going to flood the earth again as well. (laughs) We just pray. We just pray for soft hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. And, uh, hope that blesses you. And, uh, yeah, we're going to continue unpacking. Um, Jalil's going to share next week about the, uh, about Jesus, more of the picture of Jesus through, uh, the Old Testament and the parallels are just profound. And I uh, hope you've seen some today as well, but, um, he's just, I don't know he's just going to do a fantastic job next week. So tune in for that. Love you guys. Take care. Bye bye.